Friendship isn't the big things, it's a million little things. Welcome friends, to the A Million Little TV Shows podcast. I'm your host, Mike, and I'll be delving into TV shows that I feel don't seem to get enough love. Over the course of the pod, we'll break down episodes and talk about my thoughts and feelings on the shows. Hello there, and welcome back to A Million Little TV Shows Podcast. This is Season 3, Episode 5, I believe. No, this is Season 3, Episode 4. And much like back in Episode 2, we are just trying to get away from the seriousness of A Million Little Things. It is such a great show, but it is devastating at times. And I just need that a little bit of levity to get me out of the funk that sometimes it leaves me in because it is so good and so heartwarming. But there's stuff in there that really is hard to get through, as you'll have heard from my episodes. Wow. But today we are back on it. Just like on episode two, we're going to be going inside number nine, which... We've been doing this for three seasons now, and and I always have Inside Number Nine and A Million Little Things put together because there's a contrast there. Obviously, I love a comedy, and I love a dark comedy, and Inside Number Nine is just perfect. It's simple, it's easy to watch, and I can just get through the episodes and not have to think about it again. It's a real... I suppose mind cleanse is probably the best way to put it. Let's get into season three of Inside Number Nine, episodes four to six. Episode four, Empty Orchestra. This episode stars Shearsmith as Greg, Pemberton as Roger, as well as Sarah Hadland as Fran, Tamsin Althwaite as Connie, Emily Howard as Jeanette, and Javone Prince as Dwayne. The episode takes place inside a karaoke room and everyone is attending for Roger's promotion due. The first one to enter is Greg, and slightly after him is Connie, and we see that there is some sexual tension between them, and they end up kissing, but then Fran enters the room, and they stop. It seems like Greg and Fran are together and have been for a while, after Roger comes in with Janet, and Janet is deaf, so she turns down her hearing aid because it is just thumping in there. Obviously the music is way too loud for her, and it is affecting her hearing aid. Now obviously don't know anything about hearing aids, and I'm very ignorant to that. Um, so I'm sure if someone knows the actual reason for that, they'll come and tell me. But she turns it down anyway, or even thinks she turns it off. As Roger removes his jacket, something falls out onto the floor. It turns out that it's actually a list of names of the people that are in that room at the time. And Greg notices his own name on there with a question mark next to it. It seems that the company that they all work for has been having layoffs. Obviously, Roger is being promoted, but, but Greg is worried for his own safety within the company. And Fran and Connie, and Connie seems to be getting jealous of any and everyone around her. She's jealous of Fran because she's with Greg, but she's also jealous of Jeanette because Jeanette got a PA position above her and she is the PA of Roger. 
So now Connie knows that Janet's probably going to end up not getting fired anytime soon. Dwayne enters the mix, and as he does, he seems to be a bit of a bad boy, I suppose. And he has a bag full of mysterious pills, which he hands each one of them a mysterious pill, and they just have to down the hatch and see what happens. As the night goes on, Greg keeps trying to get information out of Roger to see whether anyone is actually getting fired. But when Roger leaves the room, Janet and Dwayne start getting close. And there seems to be a little bit of chemistry between those two as well. But this just stirs Connie up for some reason. Obviously she is trying to be with Greg, but as soon as she sees that Janet is getting some attention, she is livid. So Roger goes out to the bar and during that time Dwayne is performing his song and as he is Connie gets hold of his phone and ends up texting Janet just telling her that if she likes him she'll get up on stage and do a song for him and then he'll know but obviously with Janet being deaf she doesn't want to she feels nervous about this eventually Roger comes back and he's got a ton of drinks but he sits down in the corner and just takes them all for himself they're all shots and he just starts knocking them back one after the other not letting anyone else near them after Dwayne finishes up his song he takes hold of the mic and tells him that he's gonna do his own song and he needs something rocky to go on with Dwayne heads out and goes and gets some more drinks and during Roger's version of Since You've Been Gone, Greg tells Fran and Connie that someone's definitely getting fired. And the only way to find out who is to distract Roger and look at the piece of paper that he brought in. So they have to sneak over to his jacket to try and get hold of what's in there. As they do, they just get within touching distance of it. And Dwayne comes bursting through the door and smacks Fran in the face. Eventually Roger catches them and finds that they've got this piece of paper in his hand and he admits everything. He tells them that he and his wife are getting a divorce and he thought it was a time for celebration because of his promotion but actually that's it. His wife is leaving him and his marriage is done. Hence why he's drinking so much and why he's just really not in the mood. And it also turns out that Dwayne has actually supplied them all with Tic Tacs and no one is going to be getting high tonight. It's here that Fran and Connie do a duet while Janet is thinking about what she can do to try and prove to Dwayne that she likes him. But while Greg had hold of the piece of paper that was the divorce papers, he saw that Fran's name was circled on the back. So he feels like Fran is the one who's up for the chop, which would leave him and Connie to be in the office together and probably get together eventually so during a duet he lets connie know that it's actually fran who is going to be gone so janet is up next and she starts doing her song she's doing okay she's doing a good job of it and she just seems to be enjoying herself she just wants to perform for Dwayne, and that's all it is but as she's looking around all she can see is connie just and over the other side of the room roger is having a chat roger is having a chat with fran so this makes Greg and Connie excited to think that they're going to be left alone at the company soon. Fran sees how much Connie is enjoying this and how and how uncomfortable Janet and Dwayne are. And she decides to take mercy on Janet, walks over to Dwayne and confesses what's gone on. Dwayne stops the music and tells her that he likes Janet, but not in that way. And she feels rejected. Dwayne tells Connie that she's not being funny and that it was wrong for what she did. And when Greg tries to stand up for her, Roger just steps in and says, look, before any tensions get higher, let's just talk about what's going on. 
And he says that now that he has taken this management job, things have changed and he's been told that someone has to go. So he walks down the line and everyone thinks that he's going to get to Fran and he's going to let everyone know that Fran's going to be leaving. But actually what happens is he says, well, since I'm getting a divorce, I've decided that the only person that deserves to get fired is me. I'm going to quit and I'm going to walk out and I'm going to go see my brother in America and I'm just going to start afresh somewhere else. I've got the opportunity now, so I might as well. And that means that I'm going to need a replacement and my replacement is going to be Fran. Just then, as everyone starts to react, the door bursts open and in rush a group of other women ready for the next slot. And they're told that they aren't allowed in until half past, but they don't care. And they just want to have a party. So they say, you can join us if you want. So they get in there and they're all dancing around. And everyone from the party is dancing around as well. Janet is still set. And Dwayne is sort of just hiding in a corner. I'm not letting you go anywhere. So don't even think that you and Fran are staying together. And he says, don't worry, I'm going to tell her in the morning. Connie squares up with Janet and tells her now that Fran has this new job that Janet is going to be out of her PA job because Connie wants it and Fran wants someone that can hear. But Janet says, don't worry, I don't need to hear because I can read lips. She walks over to Fran and tells Fran everything that's been going on and that Greg and Connie are cheating. And just then the lights dim, the UV lights come on and it turns out that both Connie and Greg have UV lipstick on and it shows that they've been kissing each other. So Fran walks over, slaps Greg and tells them both that they're fired. Janet seems smug by all this, but then looks over at Dwayne who realises that he lied to himself earlier. He walks across the dance floor takes hold of Janet and kisses her. Now, again, the thing about this series and this episode and just the whole concept is the fact that it's all done in the same room. Now, this sort of stepped away from the usual dark and, I don't know, macabre aspects of Inside Number 9, but still, it's got dark undertones. It's got cheating, it's got bullying, it's got depression from this guy who's about to get a divorce although it's not the atypical episode it's still a fun episode to watch and even though there isn't the big twist at the end like there usually is it's got a lot of different elements to it for instance the fact that each song throughout is sort of a nod to what's happening within the storyline at that point makes it feel sort of almost like a musical i think my standout performance from this was pemberton because he did this sort of Midlands Birmingham accent and then he sang in that accent as well which even just to talk in a Birmingham accent is difficult enough but then to actually be able to perform a song with that accent to a song that isn't any sort of accent like that just makes it so much more effective I think it was so clever and very risky from him because he could have just lost his accent part way through and it would have ruined it but he didn't and it was really clever so as much as i think this got panned when it came out i just i loved it it's so fun and even though it's not one of the more rewatchable episodes because it's just a short story really but it's still good it's still a lot of fun and different from what came before it so just makes it a little bit like i said before these Inside number nines are more of a palate cleanser from the um from the deeper episodes of say a million little things. So it's sort of a palate cleanser to the palate cleanser. 
which sounds stupid, but it's true, which, I, you know, I really enjoy it. Episode number five, Diddle Diddle Dumpling. This episode stars Shea Smith as David, Keely Hawes as Louise, and Rosa Strudwick as Sally, and Steve Pemberton as Chris. So after being out for a run one morning, David comes back home and finds a shoe, just a black leather shoe, outside their house. It looks brand new and he puts it on the wall outside. He comes in and he speaks to his wife Louise and he tells her that he's found this shoe outside and he just can't understand where it's come from. It's a single black shoe and as he's trying to fathom what's going on with it, Louise is obviously trying to get ready for the day and she's just wanting to get out of the house and get sorted. So she leaves and it seems that David is going to be staying home that day with his daughter Sally. Later on that night, Louise comes back home. Sally has gone to bed and David is just plating up some dinner. It seems that this has been quite a few times now that Louise has come back home and she's been late. It seems that she may be the only breadwinner in the house as she talks to David about a position that he used to do that is coming up for another firm that maybe he could get his foot in the door for. David, however, can't stop thinking about this shoe. In fact, when Louise came home, the shoe was in the middle of the table that they were going to eat dinner from. And Louise starts to worry about what is going on with David. Over the next couple of days, Louise comes home and she finds leaflets and flyers all up the street that have a picture of a shoe on it with with Louise and David's number on it, stating that there was a black shoe lost outside the house and whether someone wanted to come and collect it. So she's really starting to worry about him at this point. As spring turns into summer, the shoe is still at the house and has ended up being pushed under a sofa. So it feels like David has now forgotten it as summer has come along. But it turns out that David has not forgotten about the shoe. And when Chris comes over to talk about this job that has come up, David is the one who's serving drinks. He walks over to the table and puts down two martinis. The problem is there's already two martinis on the table. He's already done this. And Chris tells him that... doesn't mind but maybe he just needs to sit down so David sits down and Chris asks about him getting back into the workforce and he tells him that well he would but at the minute he's got a project on and Louise is just sat opposite Chris and she's thinking god please don't talk about this shoe again but he does and when he goes to get the shoe from under the sofa he can't find it so he asks Louise if she's moved it and she tells him that she's binned it already and he goes off on one how dare you bin something that is so precious like it's ridiculous concept and he goes outside and he takes it out of the bin and he puts it on the table and he says look we're just trying to find who did it i'm just trying to get it out there maybe you know end up getting it on twitter and maybe some celebrities can talk about it maybe get it on the radio which he ends up doing he ends up going on to a radio show and talks about the shoe And throughout the interview, the host is just mocking him a little bit, basically saying, if you have any old shoes, just send them over to David and he'll sort them out for you. David's also made a website. So one day after his run, he comes home, he checks his phone to see if there's any messages, which there are none. He walks through into his living room, looks at his laptop and checks his open browser to see if there's been any on the message board but there has been nothing and then there's a knock at the door the voice from the door tells him that he's here 
to see the shoe because he believes it's his. The guy comes in and he describes the shoe and even David's got pictures of several different treads and he picks the right tread and tells him that it just fell out of his suit bag and that that is where it's from. He also tells him that he's got the other shoe with him so he can prove that that is his shoe. So David obviously now is convinced that this is the man's shoe but he's become obsessed with this thing. He doesn't want to give it up, so he's unsure as to what to do. But eventually, obviously, this guy has come for his shoe, so he goes into the cupboard and he takes the shoe out. As he hands over the shoe, he really gets emotional about the whole affair, to the point where he tells the man he may need a minute. Eventually, he wraps the shoes up in a bag and hands them over. The man leaves, and and it seems like when autumn rolls round, that David's better. He's gone back to work, he's talking about trips to Italy with work, he is really throwing himself into things. And when Sally wants to perform something that she's going to be doing in school over that week, David's all for it. He's happy to see his daughter and talk to her and listen to everything that she's got to say. Whereas earlier on we saw that it was quite harsh with her when she was just playing with the shoe and her Barbie dolls. So things seem to be on the up and up. But as winter rolls in, Louise comes home one day and finds a shoe outside the house. And it's the same kind of shoe as before. Black leather, brown in trim, size 9. She walks in and David is sat in sweatpants and t-shirts. And she doesn't know what to make of it. There's bills everywhere. And there's just stuff all over the place. She asks David what the hell's going on, and he tells her that he was going to create her a photo album to be a nice surprise for her. But as she was going through, he found a photo of a man who looked very familiar, and it turns out that it was the man who came over that day to pick up the shoe. He then also went through her receipts and found a receipt from two days earlier to purchase a pair of those shoes. So he knew that she had taken it upon herself to go and buy these shoes so that she could just get rid of this one shoe that David was obsessing over. But then he tells her that it wasn't about the shoe. And she says, no, it wasn't. You never got over it. It's been six years, David. I'm not saying that you should forget, but you should start to move on. You've got a daughter that you need to start looking after. You can't just keep thinking about the son that you almost had. And it turns out that six years earlier, when Sally was born, she was born a twin, but that her brother died early on, and he is focusing more on the past. But he tells her that they were twins, just like shoes. They need to be together. David walks away from Louise and goes and stands by the window as you hear sirens in the background. Louise looks down and sees that there's blood on her fingers after she touched David. And she asks him where the blood came from. And he says, I went to visit your friend Ted, the guy from the picture. And then she asks where he got the shoe from. And he tells her that Ted didn't want to give it him back. So she asks what he did. And he says, I can't remember. As police lights start to flash through the window, as the camera starts to focus on photographs in the background of David sat with his two twins, happy as can be, and then the camera keeps focusing in and it looks at his shoes and it turns out that the shoes that he's wearing are the ones that went missing. And then we see through security footage that David is the one who actually walked out of the house 
put the shoe down and then went off for his run, meaning that when he came back, he would be the one that found it. Now, first of all, I didn't understand this at first, but in the background is a very familiar piece of music and it is Vivaldi's Four Seasons. And of course, this takes place over four seasons. So it's just a clever little musical interlude throughout and it's it's prominent throughout the whole episode. The whole song is played throughout. It's such a clever trick to use and I really embraced it, especially when I started to realise that's what it was. I knew it was a classical piece of music, obviously, but I was like, I'm not getting the reference here and then I realise what it actually is later on and it's clever. It's good to be able to watch something again and again and be able to pick things that are new up. So for instance, as you're going through and obviously David turns around at one point to Louise and tells her that they need to be together and then she discovers the blood and you think, oh no, he's not killed his daughter. But then she inquires about the shoe and you realise, nope, he's killed a friend. And it's, it's fucked up. But it's a clever episode and it makes me it just makes me think throughout and that always makes me feel good so yeah it's it is a good episode and obviously dealing with grief or anything like that is horrific but the guys from inside number nine just do it so well and then obviously the stellar cast someone like keely hall's coming in is a brilliant move because at this point she was Probably one of the hottest actresses in Britain. She was in it in pretty much every TV show. So, yeah, it's a good episode. It really is. Episode 6, Private View. This episode stars Shearsmith as Maurice, Pemberton as Kenneth, Morgana Robinson as Carrie, Montserrat Lombard as B, Fiona Shaw as Jean, Felicity Kendall as Patricia, and in an odd show in Peter K as Neil. Now, the interesting thing about this is, at this point, Peter K wasn't doing a lot on TV, apart from things that were his own projects. So to see him in this was a little surreal in all fairness. But anyway, let's get into it. So at the start, we see that there is an art exhibition that Neil is stood in the middle of. He's just having a look around, but he's looking at this chair with two knives sticking out of it that says take a seat and he thinks it's a little bit weird and it's a little bit odd and he turns to the camera but we've seen that there's a hand in front of the camera and it walks towards him and he starts talking to the person who's walking towards him just saying this is all a bit weird and and how he was there just to help out the visually impaired woman that was going to be coming later on and that he's a nurse but then the hand from behind the camera pushes him and he falls back into the chair and into... (laughs) And in typical Peter K style says, as he drops a bunch of crackers, oh, I'll drop my ribs. <laughs> it's fucking ridiculous, but it's that's just Peter K. So after this, the party really gets into the so-called swinger things. The next character we're introduced to is Carrie. She seems to be a model of sorts, but is more famous for being in Big Brother 8 and just seems to be seeking fame more than anything. She's introduced to B, who is the, I suppose, waitress slash hostess for the night. But B, it just looks like she cannot be asked to be there. She is sassy as all hell with everyone and just cutting with some of her comments. Some of them are fucking brilliant. After Carrie walks away and starts going and looking around, B meets Morris, who 
seems to be an art lover but is a little bit more i think the best way to describe him is seedy he asks whether b is interested in art but all the time he's staring at her chest and she obviously notices and isn't afraid to tell him where to go but he claims it's just that she is covered in tattoos and therefore must be into art after that we're introduced to both kenneth and jean who arrive together but aren't together Kenneth is from the council and Jean just seems to be just a normal average woman. Afterwards we meet Patricia who is the blind woman that Neil was meant to be looking after until his unfortunate accident and it seems like B is going to have to show her around because she says that someone is waiting on her but actually no one's around. We then meet the star of the show, Elliot Quinn, who introduces himself but tells everyone who's there that this is an exclusive invite and that they have been chosen to be here for a reason that will be disclosed hopefully later on. But he tells them to enjoy the art and enjoy the evening. But while he's on screen, because he's not there in person, he tells them that he also died three years earlier and that this is his final masterpiece. While they're walking around, Carrie stumbles upon Neil, and he's just obviously sat in the chair that he was in before, but now he is covered by a pool of blood. It just looks like part of the exhibition. She walks over, and this is where she's joined by Maurice, who frightens her a little bit, but starts to comment on the actual artwork and thinks it's a real piece of art. Carrie leans over and starts to pull at Neil's lanyard. This forces Le- this forces Neil to fall forward, and it turns out that actually, and it starts to prove to them that Neil is actually real and has been murdered. The rest run through and start to talk about what's happened, and Kenneth goes into health and safety mode because that's his job at the council. He starts saying that he needs to create a zone around the body so that he can cordon it off for when the police get there. The only person that isn't there at this point is B. So at this point, Kenneth starts to take charge and he's giving people jobs. So he tells Morris to stand by the body while Carrie looks after Patricia and he asks Jean to come along with him while he tries to force open the elevator door so that they can escape and contact the police. But while they're doing so and trying to get the door open, Patricia and Carrie start talking. And Patricia claims that she hasn't always been blind. That there was a point where she ended up getting 20-20 vision due to an operation. And she tells her that she actually saw her on Big Brother, which Carrie obviously now thinks that she's a star again. At that point, Kenneth and Jean managed to force open the door, only to find inside B, who is sat with a phone cord around her neck and the receiver jammed down her throat. It's at this point that they realise that they're getting picked off all at once. Carrie and Patricia stay together, while Kenneth and Jean go off to find the other emergency exit. Kenneth, obviously, being in that career, knows that there should be a way out without having to use the lift, so he goes to find it. But as they try and get to the door, it seems that Maurice has gone walkabout, and just as they're finding the exit, he walks in asking if they've caught hold of the police yet. Patricia starts talking to Carrie to try and calm her down, but what she doesn't know is that Carrie is swigging from a bottle of champagne, and it turns out that it's not actually champagne that's in that bottle, and whatever it is has a bad reaction with her, and it seems like there's sort of smoke coming from her mouth. 
and she dies there and then. And Patricia, obviously being blind, doesn't even know. Eventually, Patricia finds her and then hears a noise behind her. She thinks it might be the killer, so tries to find a hiding place and ends up finding the bathroom. As she goes in, she locks the door. Just then, we see the gloved hand perspective again. The door opens and in walks this figure. But it's only after they look under the door that when they rise back into the room, we realise that it's Jean. Jean goes to walk out, but then here's Patricia's phone as she is essentially asking Siri to tell her whether it's possible to kill someone with a stiletto heel. At this point, Maurice and Kenneth are still trying to find a way out. They've found a gate at the back, but it's locked with a thick chain, so they're now trying to find bolt cutters. In all the equipment that should be there, they should be able to find bolt cuts pretty easy. The scene cuts back to the bathroom, and Jean is washing her hands, and then she screams, and then the two surviving members, Maurice and Kenneth, run through. They find Patricia in the toilet stall, and her eyes are missing. Maurice tells everyone that he's got some bolt cutters so they can finally get out of here. So they go back to the back gate and Maurice starts working on the gate. But Kenneth has picked up something and he tells Jean to stay close to him. Because Kenneth ended up finding Carrie and has also found Maurice's pills in Carrie's hand. So he now thinks that he is the one that's doing this. During their attempt to escape, Maurice mentions about three years earlier having a heart transplant. And Kenneth also tells them that that three years earlier, he had also had a lung transplant. And then they say, well, Patricia had her eyes done three years ago. Thinking Maurice is the killer, Kenneth hits him over the head and knocks him out. But just then they realise that actually it wasn't Maurice. It was Jean, as Jean puts a bag over Kenneth's head and chokes him unconscious. So when Morris wakes, he is surrounded by jars full of body parts, essentially. And he is being replayed the video of Elliot Quinn. And it's here that Jean reveals that Elliot was her son and that he died of a brain tumour and that he wanted to donate his body to everyone else. And that after three years, once they had had their time, he wanted to bring them all back together as a celebration of him. But his mother over the years had taken a look at what they'd been doing and found that they were unworthy for whatever reason. So she lists them. Neil had been eating so much that he ended up giving himself diabetes, even though he'd taken her son's kidney. He ended up burning herself in a house fire, and when she got a skin graft, which included using parts of Elliot's skin, she ended up covering it with tattoos, which Jean found disrespectful. Carrie, who had been given a new liver, was just constantly out drinking and partying and trying to be the celebrity she wanted to be. Patricia got Elliot's eyes, but all she did all day was write erotic novels, and Jean saw that as just filth and wasn't worthy of having his eyes see that. Kenneth annoyed Patricia because he had taken her son's right lung, but was still continuing to smoke, even though it's pointed out that it was actually an e-cigarette, so didn't do anything. And then Morris got her son's heart, and she told him that she found him a heartless critic, even though he had the heart of the sweetest person. But now she was going to take it back. So she takes a syringe and she starts walking towards him. And Morris is struggling in his chair. The camera cuts to black. And then a reporter is talking about how 
this is one of the weirdest and goriest exhibitions that there's ever been, but it's won the Turner Prize. Of all of this is the heart. But when the camera turns to talk to the artist of the piece, it turns out to be Maurice. Like I always say, this series is subverting at all times. There's always a twist coming, and even again, I know I say it a lot, but I watch these and some I will recognise and some I will remember. And as soon as this one came on, I went, oh, I love this episode. And again, totally forgot the ending. 100% forgot the ending. I knew roughly that it was Jean who was the killer. And I roughly knew that it was to do with the art exhibition and that she was taking the body parts, especially when Patricia is found. But I just couldn't remember the ending. Couldn't remember the art exhibition. And it's what I love about this. It was very much in the style of sort of a Agatha Christie novel where there's a mystery to solve, but obviously there's murders happening all around. And it was something straight out of a Poirot. So it was really clever, really fun. This series has been really fun. Like I always say, I love Inside Number 9. I find it fascinating how different they can be throughout and how they can shock you at times. Even now, after God knows how many episodes of me watching this and how many times I have actually watched this so a lot of fun and obviously we're going to be going on to season four in a couple of weeks um and we'll be picking up with season four inside number nine but also there's a little special because there was a halloween special for series four we'll also be covering that which is possibly one of the best things i think they've ever done and that says a lot because he's because this series and these episodes are phenomenal every time but yeah they just they get me they make me they make me smile when i'm watching them and that's what it's all about it's about engaging with your audience and making sure that people enjoy things and do you know what it blows me away how good it is it is like black mirror and i love black mirror so why wouldn't i love this i love steve pemberton and rishi smith course i do so just it's a lot of fun it's so much fun so anyway i think that's where i'm going to leave it for today i really hope you're doing well out there there's a lot going on in the world right now and hopefully god i hope i don't jinx it but 2024 is going to be the one it's going to get better and everything's going to get on a decent path god damn it but i hope you're doing well really hope you guys come say hello come speak to me come talk to me come tell me what you want me to cover but until next time and by the way next time i will be covering other than a million little things i will be covering the final season of dead pixels so if that's something you're into hope you join me for it go and watch season two of dead pixels it's really fun but till next time thanks for listening bye Well, that's all for now, amigos. If you managed to make it to the end of my ramblings, thank you. And if you want to rate, share, subscribe, comment, it's all appreciated. Until next time.